0: I think of all the buddies that I lost. That uh, why was it? Why wasn't it me? Why was I spared? Why was I spared all these all these battles I participated in? And they died right next to me, killed right next to me, you know. And I scream and hollered for the mother and, and begged me to to finish them. Oh my God! It's uh. Wars, no one can imagine, you can't, no one can imagine the combat, the, the fear of combat and the death and, uh, and what you see, how a body is destroyed and, and uh, it's unbelievable. Heroes behind
1: headlines. With Ralph Pizzullo.
2: Welcome to Heroes Behind Headlines. I'm your host, Ralph Pizzullo. Today, we're excited to continue our interviews with World War II heroes. These historic interviews were conducted by Joe Massinio over the past decade as part of the Veterans History Project. Today's subject is is the amazing Donald Fida, a great patriot who died earlier this year at the age of 99. During World War II, Donald served as a scout for the U.S. Army's 7th Infantry Division in numerous critical battles in the Pacific Theater, including the Battle of the Aleutian Islands, the Battle of Kawajalin in the Marshall Islands, the Battle of Leyte in the Philippines, and the Battle of Okinawa, the largest amphibious assault of the Pacific Theater of World War II. His stories of combat and survival are some of the most visceral and moving you'll ever hear, and incredibly, he kept these experiences to himself until 2015, shortly before this interview was recorded. He didn't even tell them to his wives and children until then. Over the course of the war, Donald received the rank of sergeant and was awarded numerous citations and medals, including the Purple Heart and the POW Medal. He was later inducted into the New York State Veterans Hall of Fame and the Purple Heart Hall of Fame. After the war, he served in the Army Reserves until 1953. The brave and humble Donald Fida is today's Hero Behind the Headlines.
1: So, Don, we're going to start out with a couple of questions for you, and, and
0: to, to get into this, where were you born, Don? I was born at 707 Grant Boulevard, January 28, 1924. In what city? Syracuse, New York. Which branch of the service did you serve in, initially?
1: I, I served in the Army of the United States. Mm-hmm. And tell us about your decision to
0: enlist when the the time came. At the time of Pearl Harbor, I was a a cadet at the Manlius Military Academy in Manlius, New York. Upon the graduation, uh, the following December of 1940, uh, 1942, I enlisted in the regular Army of the United States. And I remember the exact day that Japan the Japan, bombed Pearl Harbor, attacked at Pearl Harbor, yeah. Yeah, I remember exactly what I was doing at that particular what time. What were you doing that, that? Oh yeah, yeah, I was cleaning my rifle. I was cleaning my my Springfield 03 and, uh, on the floor in the orderly room, yeah. All the cadets had their rifles on the floor and they were cleaning their rifles and yeah, taking the bolts apart and different things like that. And then we heard on the radio, five minutes after one, that Japan had bombed Pearl Harbor, yeah. Sunday after chow, yeah. yeah. And from then on, I went. I went to a training camp. Tell us first of all when you left home,
1: how that went with your family. Was um, was it a big event or did you
0: just kind of? No, no, it was a big event. What I mean, it was a sad event at the time because uh, all the boys, all the young boys, were were, were, were wanted to go. We all wanted to go and, and, and fight the Japanese for what they'd done at Pearl Harbor, you know. So uh, I enlisted in the regular army, and then uh, uh, they sent me to uh, Fort Niagara, New York, and uh, for uh, for orientation and different things, uniform issue and things. And then we uh, left there in two uh, two weeks after. Uh, being there and, and boarded a troop train for uh, for a camp in South Carolina, Camp Croft. On the way going to Camp Croft, uh, we were involved in a troop train sabotage troop train uh, accident. Uh, purposely, a gasoline truck was left on the railroad track. The engine hit the track. The engine hit the the uh, gasoline truck. And uh, the fire came back. Uh, I was in the car right behind the the coal car of the of the of the train, and uh, the concussion uh, broke the windows, and I was burning on the right side of my face, and taken out into a field in uh, a little town called Camden, South Carolina, and uh, uh, I. I, I Kept on blackening out, like more or less. Uh, uh, but I noticed that the women were coming down with blankets and stuff to cover up to help the troops that were in the in the troop train accident. So uh, finally, they they sent me to a little town called Lugoff, South Carolina, and then from Lugoff, South Carolina, they transferred me to Camp Cross, South Carolina, where I was. Taking my tr- I was fortunately taking my going to take my training there. You, um, the,
1: the gasoline truck.
0: Who had placed it there? Do you know? Well, it was sabotage because back in uh, back in forty one or forty two, there was a lot of sabotage going on, so that to prevent the troops from going from camp to camp, so they wanted to get rid of the of the soldiers, the new soldiers. So I was involved in that troop train wreck, and uh, uh, so but uh, uh, the. Uh, So, I I did my training at Camp Croft, and then... uh, uh,
1: Tell us about the training experience, the nature of the basic training, maybe some interesting stories, or anybody that you remember from the camp.
0: Well, I remember just, uh, I remember uh, one man in particular, because he was a graduate of Manolius Academy. His name was Mike Hyman. And uh, I I, uh, I saw Mike Hyman uh, at Camp Croft. he was, uh, uh, he was a he was a second lieutenant, and uh, you see, uh, uh, I took four years of military science and tactics at the academy. And upon graduation, you automatically were a second lieutenant. I refused the commission, and I wanted to go in as a private, and that's just what I did. Why is that, Don? I, I didn't want the I didn't want to command men. I didn't want to do any commanding. I just wanted to be. I was was used to taking orders, and that's what I wanted. That's all I wanted. Yeah.
1: In basic training, did you receive any further specialized training? um, Uh, In
0: addition, well, I did receive. I I had to learn uh, map reading, uh, coordinates, and different things for scouting. That's what I was a scout, and uh, uh, I I learned. I had to learn uh, different and maps and stuff and things like that
1: so t- so you're trained as a scout tell us a little bit about what it takes to be a scout in addition to knowing how to read a map
0: well you, then, you, first all, you got to be small normally you can't be big like you guys you know you got to be a little runt you know so but anyhow <laughs> uh, I, I fit the bill of being a scout because i only weighed 117 pounds and I was only about, I think, 5 foot, 60 inches tall. And that, that, the, I passed the requirement, you know. And uh, I, I trained. I, I learned how to fire a carbine, an M1, a machine gun, and a 45 Colt. Yeah. You know? And I carried a 45 Colt and a, and a carbine in combat, yeah. You know? How long were you at Camp Croft? again? Camp Croft, I uh, was there about, uh, oh, maybe uh, uh,
1: 13 weeks. Mm-hmm. Did when you were at Camp Croft, did you have any time for anything other than being in the army? Was there any social life? Was uh, what 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 else was happening in your life at that time in addition to basic training?
0: Well, at Camp Croft, your your primary training constantly all the time. Uh, they had a little bugle and drum corps. We used to get up early in the morning, and uh, and uh, whoever played a drum or whoever uh, blew a bugle. They put me in this little bugle and drum corps, and early in the morning, about five thirty, six o'clock, we would march back and forth to wake up the whole camp. You know? <laughs> so, because in Manlius, I was a trumpeter. I played the trumpet in Manlius, as uh, as uh, in the band, Manlius band. You see, so okay. yeah.
1: So once you left um, basic training,
0: where did they first? I was called uh, from California, uh, Fort Ord, California. So, uh, they, they needed a bugler in uh, G Company of the 184th Infantry Regiment, and uh, they uh, they sent me to uh, by train uh, to uh, uh, Sacramento, and they picked me up at Sacramento and brought me to Fort Ord, California, as the G Company bugler. Yeah. And how long were you were you there at Fort Ord? About three or four months of training uh, 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 amphibious training. We did amphibious training uh, uh, at Monterey and Salinas and Carmel, California. Amphibious training, with the ramp goes down, you run off of the boats, you know, and so on and so forth. Beach landings is what it actually was. Right. Yeah. And uh, we, we, we perfected that uh, uh, fairly well, you know. And, uh, and then amongst the other training and so on and so forth, my job was to uh, retreat, call to the colors, a Reveille and first call, mess call, church call, different things like that that I I that I I blew the bugle for that for those reasons, yeah. So from uh Fort Ord, were there any other unusual
1: things that happened yes. at Fort Ord that do you want to share with us?
0: They shipped us to uh uh Saint Luis Obispo at the Randolph Hearst Estate for 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 desert warfare, desert training. And uh, we, uh, we went to we were San Luis Obispo for about uh, maybe uh, three weeks, a month, or maybe a little bit longer, uh, training in, uh, in, the, in, the, in the environment that would be actually like Africa. Uh, so the rumor was going around that we were going to make the invasion of Tunisia because they, uh, they, they called them the Desert Fox, Rommel. Was uh, was at there when we thought we'd probably go there, but uh, t- about two or uh, two weeks later, going back to Fort Ord again, uh, they, we got orders. Uh, the whole the whole camp got orders to we were shipping out. So that's where we thought we were going. But as we got on the ship,
1: where did the ship depart from?
0: We departed from Fort Lewis, Washington. We took a train from Fort Ord to Fort Lewis. And then uh, from there we boarded LSTs and different ships. And then uh, as we were sailing, as we were sailing, uh, um, the weather started getting colder. And we couldn't understand why the weather was getting colder, uh, because we we knew darn well we were going to go to uh, Tunisia, and uh, of course that was the rumor at the time. So, but as we, the further the further we got out, the colder it was getting. And then all of a sudden, they told us that, uh, that we were making the invasion of the Aleutian Islands, uh, the island of Etu and Kiska.
2: The Battle of the Aleutian Islands, fought from June 1942 to August 1943, pitted U.S. troops against Japanese garrisons established on a pair of U.S.-owned islands west of Alaska. In June 1942, Japan had seized the remote, sparsely inhabited islands of Atu and Kiska, which turned out to be the only successful invasion of U.S. territory during World War II. The maneuver was possibly designed to divert U.S. forces during Japan's attack on Midway Island in the Central Pacific. It's also possible the Japanese believed that holding the two islands would prevent the U.S. from invading Japan via the Aleutians. Either way, the Japanese occupation was a blow to U.S. morale. In May 1943, U.S. troops retook Attu and three months later reclaimed Kiska and in the process gained experience that helped them prepare for the long island-hopping battles to come as World War II raged across the Pacific Ocean.
0: I was a scout, so therefore there was two hundred of us scouts that were that were put on two submarines. I was put on the submarine the nautilus the nautilus uh, and uh, a hundred of us were put on the submarine on one submarine. I don't know the other submarine i I, I don't remember what it was and about the, about the ninth of May of nineteen forty three they gave us orders to to disembark. So they gave us uh, a four-foot rubber raft and a two-foot paddle. Two two uh, scouts to a rubber raft, and uh, the, the weather was terrifically cold, very cold. And uh, so, about four o'clock in the morning, four thirty in the morning, we paddled about three miles uh, to uh, to um, Massacre Bay on the Aleutian Islands, of course. They had given us maps previous to this because so we could study. When we knew where we were going, then they, they then they, they they gave us maps and different things for where we were going to hit, where we were going to scout out. So uh, we landed about five o'clock in the morning, five thirty, at uh, at Massacre Bay, and uh, the other hundred landed other other places. So. We got in and we scouted out the area. We were told not to fire only unless we had to, you know, uh, or if the Japs saw us. But uh, we scouted out there and radioed back to the submarines and turned the submarines radio to the ships uh, of what we had discovered there, whatever it was, the landing was safe or, or, or I think there was a landing at Constantine Harbor too. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Constantine. Do you
1: recall how many Japanese were on the uh, the Aleutians at the time? Uh, oh, uh,
0: there were about uh, I'd say um, I'd say about twenty thousand, maybe something like that, uh, all scattered on the island. Uh, of course, it's all snow and ice, and uh, and, uh, and the temperature was about thirty-five, forty below zero at the time that I landed. Yeah, we landed
1: do you recall how many ships were in the contingent
0: that you were in and the whole fleet you mean yeah. oh yeah i'd say there was about uh, maybe a hundred or more hundred ships or more out in the bay you know it's a part of a, a bombarding and different things like that that they had to do you know um we uh when the coast was we thought the coast was clear we radioed back and told the told the ships uh, that, uh, that everything was all set for the land to get massacre in Constantine Harbor. And, uh, and so they, uh, on, the, on the 11th of May 1943, two days later, the 7th Division uh, uh, comprised of the 32nd, the 17th, and the 184th, plus other units uh, landed uh, at the different spots that they're directed to land uh, from, our, from what we saw. And, uh, we in, and we moved in. We uh, moved in, uh, in, uh, in, in, in onto the island, and, uh, and for 21 days we fought the Japanese hand to hand and in uh, and, uh, and, in regular battles. And they, they made several bansai attacks and different things, you know, and, uh, uh, to uh, to rid to rid the American troops, push them back into the into the sea again. But uh, we succeeded in, in, in uh, 21 days of, of, of constant fighting and cold and gangrene and, and uh, frozen feet and different things like that. What we did was we, we, we cut the sleeves off of the Japanese soldiers and put them on our feet so we could keep warm up. Uh, their jackets because they were quilted on the inside the jacket. We were not prepared because all we had uh, up there was field jackets, uh, summer clothing. So and then uh, we wrapped ourselves, two of us together, wrapped ourselves in blankets so we, so we could keep warm and you know, hugged each other so. And the twenty first day, the the Japanese uh, the Japanese doctor um, that uh, where, the, where the wounded Japanese soldiers were, uh, he uh, he uh, he killed all the Japanese soldiers that were in the hospital. Then finally, committed Harry Carey himself, so that left uh, no uh, no no soldiers at all alive the Japanese.
1: And you had commented earlier that this was one of the only battles. in on U.S. Uh, this was one of the only battles on U.S. soil at, during the war. That's is that the correct? only
0: battle on the United States we we fought actually in America. Yeah, yeah. The only soldiers ever to fight on American soil. Yeah, we had a Canadian a Canadian contingent with us. that came and and, and fought with us too. Yeah, and the twenty first day, we loaded we loaded aboard the ships and and uh, sailed to uh, Hawaii. Went to Hawaii to uh, Pearl Harbor, and then from Pearl Harbor we went up to uh, to. Uh, Waikiki, our uh, Schofield Barracks. And from Schofield Barracks, we went to Waikiki, and we camped up at Waikiki for or maybe uh, three months.
2: The Japanese attack on Pearl Harbor began just before 8 a.m. local time, Sunday morning, December 7, 1941. For over an hour, in two waves, some 350 Japanese aircraft having taken off from six aircraft carriers 230 miles north of Oahu, attacked the naval base. All eight U.S. battleships in the harbor were hit, although six were eventually repaired and returned to service. Three cruisers, three destroyers, a mine layer, and other vessels were damaged. More than 180 aircraft were destroyed and others damaged. 2,403 Americans, including 68 civilians, died. But the Japanese failed in one crucial aspect. The Pacific Fleet's three aircraft carriers were at sea at the time of the attack and escaped harm, and these were to become the nucleus of the U.S.'s incipient naval defense of the Pacific. The attack on Pearl Harbor also served to unify the American public and swept away any remaining support for American neutrality in the war. A day after the attack, the U.S. Congress declared war on Japan with only one dissenting vote.
0: Well, we had we had weekends out. They gave us weekends off, and this buddy of mine, Stephen Francis, uh we we always hung out together. Yeah. You know, we were like two peas in a pod, you know. And uh we we, we used to go to Waikiki on past to Fort de Rossi and we'd stay there and go to we'd go to Waikiki Beach and swim and so on and so forth, you know, go to Diamond Head, whatever. Steve and I were really close. He was a bugler too. And so was Vince Feado who was in Albuquerque, New Mexico. He's a he's a bugler also. And uh We trained and trained and finally uh, we got orders that we were gonna leave and uh, uh, We boarded ships uh, at at Pearl Harbor and uh, and um, You could still see the uh, the 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 remains of the Arizona and, and all the ships that were sunk in the harbor at that time because it was only a year after so that, All right. Uh, so
1: you departed Pearl Harbor, and you were headed where? We're point? headed
0: for. We're headed uh, for. Uh, we're told we're going to invade the Marshall Islands, the island of Kwajalein in the Marshalls. We landed. We landed uh, on the, on my birthday, uh, or uh, pretty close on the, I think it was, I, my birthday was the 20th of January. We landed on the on the 31st. I had my birthday on the ship, more or less. Uh, and uh, we landed at Knob Pier on Kwajalein, and uh, uh, we fought the Japanese. Uh, 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 the island is like a boomerang, and it's uh, it's only about three and a half miles or so long, and, and about uh, ha- less than a half a mile wide at its narrowest point. so you know? but there were about five, over five thousand Japanese on Kwajalein, and uh,
1: before the battle, Don did. What was done to prepare for the landing?
0: Was there bombardment? What what kind of? Oh, other, definitely they be bombarded. Yeah, they be bombarded and all oh, the, the planes of uh, bomb the the different the, the, because there were. Kwajale had a lot of uh, 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 bunkers, a lot of concrete bunkers and, and pillboxes, like and they're all made of concrete, and the Japanese would hide in there, you know, and let's. The only way you get them out is a, is a, a flamethrower or a grenade. Uh, it took us five days to, to, to capture Kwajalein. And uh, I, in, in, in that time, uh, uh, I was with the Earl Watson, who was my, uh, my first sergeant, and he always told me to stick by him. I was his messenger to deliver messages to different places. So Earl asked me to deliver a message to, uh, to bring a message to to the company commander, and uh, I did. I, I, I crawled over to the company commander, and, and I, I, I um, gave him a message that we, we, need, we needed bombardment. We were pinned down, and uh, we got that, and uh, so I, I went back to Earl, and uh, I stayed with him, and, and then uh, all of a sudden, uh, a, a, a Jap sniper, I got a little through the right ear and came out. The bullet came out the left eye. We were very close together. His head dropped onto my shoulder, and uh, I, I knew he was gone. He had been killed, you know. So uh, he was only maybe inches away from from my right shoulder. He drooped his head drooped onto my shoulder, and uh, and uh, I, I I was so scared I didn't know what to do. I started crying and. I, Calling for my mother, calling for God. I was so I, I I just didn't know what to do at the time, you know, and and uh, so I, I took his body and I rolled his body over on top of me in this in this trench and uh, <laughs> figured I was going to be the next one who was going to get hit by this Japanese sniper. So I I stayed in the hole with Sergeant watching over me, and uh, and uh, finally uh, I heard someone say. Uh, I heard someone say, "Well, we got the sniper." So, so I rolled Earl over. I took his dog tags. I put one dog tag in his mouth, like we were ordered to do, and I took one dog tag and crawled over to the company commander and told him that Earl had been killed, and uh, here's his dog tag, and, and uh, I, 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 I just I laid him perfect in the hole, in the shell holes so it. Uh, he, he was straight, and, but you would never know that he was dead. But the way I had him put in there, you know. So I crawled out and uh, and uh, I went to the company commander and told him that what had happened. So, mm-hmm. and uh, that was the last the last day of the Battle of Kwajalein, uh, Of that battle, he was killed that day. So. Do you
1: recall um, how many ships how many vessels were involved in the in the assault where did they utilize aircraft our, our American troops
0: Oh there was many ships in the harbor 3 400 ships in the harbor Oh yeah and
1: Kwajalein has an airstrip Yes um, it does What was the condition of the island after the battle How how much damage Well
0: Kwajalein was one jungle island just jungle 3, four, three, three feet high and of uh, and, uh, all different types of, of, uh, of foliage, and uh, the rats were the biggest cats. There was a lot of rats in there too that we had to come home with, big rats. Oh man, I never saw anything like it in my life, you know, that we, uh, over there. So, but um, uh,
1: How long were you on Kwajalein before they moved you to your next assignment?
0: Uh, we were there about one week, one week and then they, they they shipped us to uh they 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 moved us to Anawitok for a beer party. We had a beer party and uh evidently I don't know they had pre they had pre-arranged this thing, I guess, after, you know. So we had a beer party on, on, on Anawitok and uh, we stayed there about a day or two and then we boarded the ship to go back to Hawaii again went back to Waikiki and Pearl Harbor and went back to the same camp and when we got up to our camp we got up to Waiiwa and the uh, the bed bugs were awful and, and I don't know how they got there. they weren't there before uh, but bed bugs nobody could sleep you know but on our cot we had the mattresses on top of our cot and uh it uh, up <laughs> so what they did is they took all the mattresses from all the cots and all the soldiers and they steamed they steamed them for us and then they brought them back to us and, and, and we were doing more training uh, after that um, uh, more rigorous training, much more so we're trying to figure, where are we kind of figure yeah well we're going to go next you know we're sure not going to stay here that's for sure you know so, but anyhow uh, we trained uh, until uh, october the 19th uh, 1944 and uh, we made the invasion of uh, Leyte in the Philippines. We landed uh, with uh, with stiff resistance uh, on the beaches of uh, of Leyte. We landed at Dulag, uh, I think it was, yeah, Dulag, uh, yeah, in in the Philippines. And uh, we we, we continued fighting there.
2: The Allied offensive in the Philippines in 1944 was the climax with the invasion of the Philippines. The goals of the operation were threefold. One, to win positions that would allow the allies to sever Japan's supply lines to Southeast Asia. Two, to make possible an invasion or neutralization of Formosa or Taiwan and the East Coast of China. And three, to provide basis for an attack on Japan itself The Battle of Leyte, which Donald Fida participated in, was the amphibious invasion of the island, which is one of the largest in the Philippines, by American forces and Filipino guerrillas under the overall command of General Douglas MacArthur. It began in October 1944, and turned out to be the first and most decisive campaign in the American reconquest of the Philippines. Japanese losses were heavy, with the Army losing four divisions and several separate combat units, while their Navy lost 26 major warships and 46 large transports. In effect, once the decisive Battle of Leyte was lost, the Japanese gave up hope of retaining the Philippines.
0: There was this the bunker, and uh, and uh, uh, one of the guys was uh, going to ready to, to, to put... Sort of flamethrower in there, and we surrounded it. One on one, the two of us on one, two of us on each side. And I had a grenade. a ready to throw a grenade in the in the in the bunker in this hole that they they had they, been done by artillery or whatever. And, um, uh, and all of a sudden, I see a, a stick come out with the white with a white sort of white material on it. Didn't know what it was really because it was hanging down and come to find out it was a, it was a a, a, a woman's uh, underwear. As we found out later, then the, the girl come out afterwards and um, she was uh, she was about 27 years old or something like that. Long, long hair that covered her breast and so on. She was a nurse that was captured on Bataan Corregidor, in the Philippines, and they brought her there. See? How long she was there, I don't know, but we we got her, we wrapped her up in the, wrapped her up in a jacket, and uh, we uh, we took her out to a pier, and, and the uh, boat picked her up and took her to the hospital ship, the Repose, which was out in the bay, and we never saw any more of her. But I say she was. So pretty and everything, and and but she was all scarred up, like uh, she had bruises all over, more something over her. You know. Do you recall her name? Did you know? her? No, I don't. I wish I could. Oh, I think of her. <laughs> I think of her all the time. I just can't. I just can't forget her face. I can't forget her face. That's all. To it. She's in my mind constantly. And uh, every she comes back to me. She come back. She come back. One time at the VA, I thought I saw this woman, but evidently it wasn't her. She had to be about 95 years old. She would be about, that, yeah. about 95, 96. I don't know her name. I, I I I was going to advertise it with the with the in the Post Standard with the fellow that writes that column. Uh, I don't know. I forgot his name, but. That I, but I, I got chicken, I, I didn't want to release it. I didn't want to release it. So you really
1: it. knew nothing about her? Pardon? You, you didn't know anything about
0: her, where she was from? Or I knew anything about but she said, she mentioned that she was from Bataan. They had captured her in the Bataan Death March. You probably, you ever yes, heard of that? Yes,
1: absolutely. How long yeah. before was that?
0: That well, not, not long before, maybe a year. Right. See? maybe a year. Or, so she had been there as much as a year. Oh yeah, oh yeah, she was she was she was small like you. She was small like you, but yeah, she uh, um, uh, she was short. She was a little short girl, you know. And I she had she was way, she about four years or five years older than me at the time. Yeah. What happened to the Japanese soldier that had? Oh, they captured him. Yeah, we captured him. Yeah, we held him. We held him. Yeah. And he was interrogated, but we never knew what what he said. Yeah. So, well, what what was the reason why? But evidently, as uh, as I said as I said in the paper, she was uh uh, and uh, that Michelle wrote that she, she was. <laughs> I can I can imagine. Uh, I can just imagine what they did to her, you know. Uh, so, but anyhow, I mean, you can figure it out, sure. you know. I felt so sorry for her. He went, she was thin, you know. she Not bony, but she wasn't bony, but she was small, a small girl, you know. Yeah, I never saw her anymore. Uh, as, a, as a scout, they wanted me to scout out in a, a certain area, so... Uh, myself and, and, and my buddy, the two of us together, but then we got upon this this uh, this Jap, small encampment. Uh, Tony went one way and I went the other to see see what see what we could see. So, uh, and of course I told you, we we never we're not supposed to fire until unless it's absolutely necessary. So I crawled through the uh, through the uh, the foliage of the oh the jungle was terrible, thick uh, and and uh, uh, I guess I don't know something must have happened that I made some sort of a noise. The Japs were there, they heard it, and uh, they uh, they uh, they uh, they, uh, they captured me and uh, and uh, uh, I yelled for Tony, but he didn't hear me or whatever. Not that I yelled, but I. I made uh, uh, different sounds that we that we that we do. you know we had
1: different uh, code sounds yeah, that
0: yeah different. different yeah, could you different give us an sounds. example of some of those sounds? Pardon?
1: Can you give us an example of what one of those sounds might be and what it meant
0: uh, well, I, I, what I used to do is I used to bang my forty five on my carbine stock,
1: mm-hmm.
0: hard, real hard on the stock. and what did that yeah.
1: mean to him if he heard it?
0: And that would mean that so many would be uh, the the Japs are here or whatever like that, yeah. I take my 45 and I bang it hard on, on my stock, and you could hear it, in the jungle, see, yeah. But anyhow, the the Japs, uh, the Japanese soldiers, uh, there was five of them. Uh, they 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 saw me, they they got me, and uh, they they uh, they they held my one foot this way, one foot that way. Uh, Spread eagle, my arms the same way. Uh, they tried to interrogate me, but they—they they, they, only one could speak fairly uh, some English. But uh, they asked me what I was after, and I—I I, 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 I couldn't tell them because you're not supposed to. A scout is supposed to not reveal any of the information that they're given to—to to do. You know. They, they took a dagger, the fifth one took a dagger and stuck it on my left abdomen, and, and they drew the dagger down into the scrotum and uh, they at the same time they, they they partially castrated me on one on the left side uh, and uh, and uh I screamed and yelled and hollered the pain was just so <laughs> the pain was so bad I didn't know it. I, I think maybe I'm 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 all done now. I, I, I probably never lived to this. And, uh, uh, Tony Pagano. Or Tony. He saved my life. Where is he? <laughs> His picture is there somewhere. He saved my life. Hey, Tony. <laughs> <laughs> He, he was a medical corpsman, and, and uh, he came over. I knew him from before the war. I used to, he used to cut my hair when I was going to the Manliest Military Academy. And uh, I didn't know that he was in the. I didn't know that he was in the. In a, I had no idea that was that he was there. And uh, he heard my screaming. He came over and he looked at me. He said, "Dan," he went, "Dan." What you, what's wrong? He saw all the blood gushing out of the abdominal aorta. Also, I was bleeding. And uh, he he, he, looked, he cut my pants, cut the one leg off of my pants, this leg and the, the left leg. And he, he put, a, he, all soldiers are required to carry sulfadiazine, which is a disinfectant. So he took about four packs of sulphur and he poured it into this wound that was wide open, and you could you could see the abdominal aorta where they nicked it as they were drawing the knife down. Uh, so he I don't know what he did, but I don't care. But I'm all right, you know. <laughs> but anyhow, he he kept pouring it. He took care of me for five days. He didn't go anywhere but stayed with me for five days and made sure that there was no infection on my side and. Uh, uh, after uh, after that he he, he uh there were some Filipino women uh, to, uh, that uh, that were walking around and he, and as best he could and, and uh, uh, he asked the Filipino women if they could take care of take care of my but take care of my friend you know and what they did is they they built me a cot and a lean tool so that I could rest on the lean tool on the on the cot uh, and they they had one woman stay with me, and one young woman stay with me all the time while I was there. And she dressed it, dressed it, dressed it. He left her, Tony he left her more sulphur packets plus the ones that I had, and uh, and then prior to that he sewed me up. He sewed the wound up. Uh, he uh, took a needle going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Of course, I had no no anesthetic or nothing. This was all. Done natural, you know, and uh, he sewed it up in, in, uh, in, uh, uh, all the way down through, and and uh, he uh, he left, and the women took care of me for for about uh, maybe two weeks or so. So they got me to walk. They got me to walk a little at a time, a little at a time, a little at a time. It was just a miracle that I survived this thing. Just one miracle from God that helped me. To, to recover from the from this wound that, that normally uh, you would never make it, you know? But uh, the, uh, even today, I still feel the pain of that dagger sticking into me, you know? So it was about a six inch, eight inch dagger that the Japanese carried as sharp as could be.
1: Tell us who Tony was, because you didn't know each other was there, but tell us a little bit
0: about Tony and your relationship with well, him. Uh, Tony was a good friend of mine when I was a, I was a cadet at the Manlius Military Academy, and uh, I used to go to uh, go to his barber shop on on Genesee and, uh, and uh, Milton Avenue to get my haircuts. Instead of getting my haircut at, at the at the academy, I used to get my haircut from Tony and his father, and that's how I became friends with the with the with the Pagano family. Uh, and a uh, 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 little by little would you know that uh, that uh, he was attached to the same outfit He was in the same division that that we were together uh, I think it was a God-meant thing that that he be there, you know mm-hmm. when I think about what he done for me, you know, what what uh, 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 the, the, uh, How he t- took care of me and protected me uh, and our relationship uh, went on way afterward too, after the war. I, I became his gardener, and uh, uh, and, uh, and, and but uh, uh, he uh, uh, he passed away. Uh, uh, he was about 80 years old when he passed away. Yeah. Uh, so
1: two 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 kids from Syracuse didn't know each other was two, there.
0: Two kids, two kids from Syracuse that that he took care of me. Uh, it's unbelievable uh, he showed up what Christian. he done. And I never had, to t- be truthful with you, and uh, I mean, God only knows, I've never had a reoccurrence of anything mm-hmm. of the wound that I got. Doctors couldn't believe it at the VA that, uh, that, uh, that, uh, uh, that this was done in the jungle. Mm-hmm. My, my uh, the surgery that he did uh, in the jungle. It was something really yeah. unbelievable. <laughs> so, uh, and but, do we yeah. know
1: what happened to the the, the 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 Japanese soldiers? They just ran away. Yeah they,
0: yeah, they left. I I think they were killed eventually by uh, by uh, one of our uh, artillery artillery shells. Yeah, I mm-hmm. think they were. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure, but I would presume that they were because uh, there was a lot of artillery flying around near Tacloban at the time. That's where General MacArthur landed at Tacloban. When he he said, I shall return, he landed at, at Tacloban.
2: Gutted, partially castrated, blood gushing from a wound to his abdominal aorta and left to die in the Philippine jungle, Donald Fita was sure he was a goner, but a medical corpsman named Tony Pagano heard Donald's screams and ran to help. Incredibly, Tony and Don had known each other before the war, but neither knew the other was fighting in the Philippines. In fact, Tony used to cut Don's hair when Don attended the Manilus Military Academy, which is east of Don's hometown of Syracuse in upstate New York. Tony Pagano packed the wound with a disinfectant, sewed up Donald's stomach using no anesthetic, and stayed with Donald for five days to make sure the wound didn't get infected. He saved his friend's life.
0: I didn't go back to my company anymore. I, I guess according to them, according to the uh, the, the uh, roster of the G Company, I'm not listed. I'm not listed anymore in the G Company roster. So evidently, they must have classified me as missing in action or something, mm-hmm. see? But then I uh, went to Tacloban and, and uh, I got into a different company. I got into a headquarters company. I stayed with the headquarters company. They, they were further back. Yeah, they weren't up front like the linemen. They were back and uh, I stayed with headquarters company and I told them what happened. They saw what happened. And, uh, but I was, never in a, I was never in a field hospital. All this was done was by Filipino women and Tony, yeah. Were the Filipinos very happy
1: to- Oh, man, they were were so
0: good to me. I can't imagine how good they were to me. They fed me uh, their type of food and stuff. And uh, uh, they, even though they dressed it, uh, there was some bleeding or some oozing out and they dressed it. uh, It's just miraculous that I healed. It really is, I healed.
1: How did you communicate with your family? Or did you did you communicate or did they just didn't
0: know what was? No, going No, they out? didn't know what happened. Right. So nobody knew much... what hap- nobody knew what happened until nobody knew what happened until uh, uh, May May of uh, May of 2015. Hmm. I kept it all to myself. I didn't tell anyone about what happened in my service time, no one no one knew it but me and God. that's all uh, I never revealed anything that happened in my military service about myself until until when? until until last may two thousand and fifteen I finally revealed the I held it all into my hand all this time and
1: how did you cope with it all that time well i
0: it? I worked i worked, <laughs> I I worked. Uh, I was in the landscaping business, and I worked at least uh, almost 20 hours a day, working so that I could forget all this. I figured that would make me forget, it and it did. But at times I would have a lot of nightmares and different things. And my wife, my wife uh, would ask me about it, and I I, was, I didn't tell her anything about it. She never knew anything. My children, Sissy and Jamie, never knew anything about it. I, I would leave in the morning before they got up, and I would come home at night when they were in bed, so I never got to see my children or be a husband to my wife. And uh, we were married 33 years, and finally she just, she said she didn't want to be married to me anymore. And, uh, uh, and I mean, and in the meantime, I, I blame myself for the six babies that we lost. I thought it was my fault that we had six children and... Uh, Five boys and one girl, and and uh, I blame myself for that, you know. But the doctors at the doctors at the hospital told me that's not so. and it, it would be impossible for 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 you to be responsible for that. I sort of, so I, I tried to commit suicide, and uh, I. I didn't want to live anymore, but I—I I, I couldn't take the pressure. i, I couldn't take of uh, thinking this all the time and waking up at night and different things that I had gone through, you know. And I'd always feel this pain on my left side. Always feel it, even to today. I feel it, you know. We landed Okinawa Easter Sunday morning, uh, 1945. Landed at Kadena airstrip. There were two um, uh, Yangtan and Kadina airstrips, but we, the Marines, landed on Yangtan. We landed on Kadina and we captured Cadina, which was oh, it was terrible. Oh, I, I, we, we were pinned down at the beach where we couldn't move, and uh, and <laughs> we lost a lot of our boys there. Um, but I don't know somebody, I don't know why God. Was, Save my life, I can't figure it out. I don't know. I went through so much, you know, and but uh uh we moved in we moved in, captured Kaden and after we moved in the engineers came and, and, and graded the uh, airstrip off from the from the uh, the bombs and torpedoes and everything that landed there and made holes in it so that our planes could land, our bombers could land on there and that, that, that was routine they it was an airstrip captured the airstrip person our plane could uh, could could help us uh, you know so and we had at the bad time we had the p fifty one mustangs, which is the fastest plane in the world at the time, you know, and while we used to see that plane oh wow, it was just so so thrilling you know the know that we had air support with like that you know and um uh, we fought our way uh, we fought our way into into uh, about uh, we moved in about a mile uh, killing a lot of Japanese. Uh, I wrote a story on it uh, I have a story about the whole Okinawa campaign that I wrote myself so uh, we moved in we moved in and then we started to go started to go north to Naha which is the capital of of, uh, of uh, Okinawa, okay, but in the meantime you had we had, had we had to contend with the uh, with the uh, with the uh, burial tombs and in uh, and, uh, bunkers and caves and the Japanese had put guns in the caves and uh, and, uh, and, uh, and uh, they used to hide in there the only way you could get them out was flamethrower and, uh, and grenades or whatever. We landed Okinawa as I said and, and uh, we, we the first of april and uh, we finally kept we finally ended the battle at the at the the nahashari line uh, when the japanese gave up uh, after after fighting in all those tombs and and caves and bunkers and uh, the burial tombs what the, what the, what, the Korean, what the Okinawan people used to do, a person would die, they'd put them in this burial tomb and lay them naked on a slab, on a slab, and they wait till the body decays and when the body decays, they they'd take all the bones and they put the bones on each side in urns on each side of the inside entrance. And that was their custom, I believe, you know we ran into many, many, many burial tombs. And uh, yeah, yeah. so, but see the Japanese took advantage of that because they used to hide in there thinking that we would never go in there. You know, the American soldier was afraid or something like that to go in there. So, but we finally got the, we finally got the orders to search all the burial tombs and, and we found many Japanese in these burial tombs all hugged together, you know? So one grenade would kill everybody, you know? Yeah, more or less in our flamethrower. And once a flamethrower hits one guy, it goes on to the next. So, yeah. So, but I think there was about uh, maybe 150,000 Japanese on, on Okinawa. As we got in closer to Okinawa, uh, uh, we they told us about uh, that we might uh, we might come across uh, uh, a kamikaze planes that would try to. Uh, Try to disrupt the whole landing, uh, and also uh, destroy some of the troop ships that that were that were in in the convoy. There was a there was a total, I think, of about uh, 1,300 ships of all description in this convoy to make the invasion of Okinawa. And uh, as we got closer to 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 the island. Uh, um, and we began to see uh, the, uh, there was a lot of difference in japanese uh, zeros uh, trying to uh, trying to uh, 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 dive into the troop ships uh, the suicide planes and uh, we ran across uh, many many of those and uh, in fact uh, uh, it was uh, they did uh, they did hit some of the uh, some of the, uh, the ships uh, whether i don't know uh, I can't remember how, if any of the troops were killed or anything, but um, um, the, the uh, I think it was a night. Uh, we finally got got to the uh, got fairly close to uh, to Okinawa, to the to the shore. Uh, we 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 noticed that there was a line of tanks on the beach, uh, a long line of tanks, uh, evidently. Uh, the, the, the Japanese some way, uh, some way or another knew that we were going to hit them. They knew this. Well, wow, how? I don't remember. I don't know. Uh, our submarines uh, with torpedoes uh, uh, destroyed the, or partially destroyed the seawall so that we could make a landing climbing over the seawall onto, onto the beach. Where
1: were you when, they, when the submarines were attacking the wall? Uh, I was
0: on the troop. I was on the troop ship with the rest of the mm-hmm. rest of the rest of the soldiers. Yeah, rest of my buddies. We're How all, far
1: away would you have been from that? Oh, wave?
0: I'd say we're about, uh, oh, maybe uh, half a mile, three quarters of a mile. Oh, yeah. How uh,
1: many submarines do you think they had lined up there?
0: Our submarines, I think there was, uh, oh, probably. I say ten submarines firing torpedoes at the seawall. So they just lined up and started. Yeah, they just they just lined up and then fired torpedoes at the seawall, and can, and uh, was, uh, so that we could make a landing. And uh, but the the zero, the the Japanese kamikazes were coming down at us, and the sky was just full of uh, full of black smoke, uh, and our planes, our our American planes were try to destroy them before they could, uh, before they could uh, um, uh, hit the troop ships. That's what they were going after was the soldiers mm-hmm. to prevent them from making a landing. You know. Yeah. So, but then finally, uh, uh, they, they, they put us down in the hole again uh, because they thought that maybe uh, the, the the Japs would they land. They would they uh, they purposely uh, uh, landed uh, on, on the ships uh, uh, to try to destroy, the, to prevent the landing, you know. Uh, but uh, yeah, Easter Sunday morning, about four thirty, five 5 o'clock in the morning, uh, it was nice, it was uh, very clear and stuff. And of course, uh, all the soldiers were jittery and scared, like normally, it's a normal thing anyhow. You know, you fear for your life and you pray, you call for your mother and you, and you call for God, you know. And uh, we climbed down the ladder. They brought us out of the hole. We climbed down the rope ladder into the LCVPs, which is a landing landing boat. And uh, normally there's about 45, uh, 50 men, soldiers in a, in a boat. And uh, we headed toward the beach. And uh, the tanks were firing at us and, uh, uh, and uh, 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 trying to prevent the landing. Our planes have finally destroyed most of the tanks. Uh, we we made the landing. Uh, we made the landing. Uh, our our destination was uh, was uh, Kadena airstrip. Now, Okinawa now I had two, two, two uh, uh, airstrips. One is Kadena, One is Yangtan. Uh, we our destination was to hit the beach at Kadena Airstrip, captured Kadena, and then move in. The Marine the Marine Divisions were were to, to our to our uh our north and they they were their destination was uh, Yangtan to get Yangtan so that our planes could uh, could uh, uh our, our big bombers and stuff could could land on the airstrip, and uh, and our our, our smaller aer- airplanes could uh, could w- work for us, you know, in our defense. Uh, about 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 uh, the about six o'clock uh, Easter Sunday morning, uh, we made the landing. Uh, we made the landing. Uh, with the, uh, the, of course, we're all. I mean, I was myself. I think about it today. Uh, how scared I was! I'm was only 21 years old, you know, and uh, calling for my mother and everything. And uh, but anyhow, uh, we we landed. Uh, we cro- we hugged each other as we got on the beach, and uh, and uh, uh, with all the fighting, the Japanese were coming at us, and uh, and uh, uh, it was it was just horrible. It's unbelievable what. What what uh, this uh, uh, what they were doing? They're uh, and screaming and uh, and uh, and uh, uh, trying to scare us, trying to scare us and bayoneting this one and bayoneting that one. I really don't know how I survived. Uh, I can't figure how I survived. Uh.
2: The Battle of Okinawa, codenamed Operation Iceberg, began on April first, nineteen forty-five with the largest amphibious assault in the Pacific theater of World War II. The battle lasted over nearly three bloody and difficult months and included some of the worst kamikaze attacks of the war. By the time Okinawa was secured by American forces on June 22, 1945, the U.S. had sustained over 49,000 casualties including more than 12,500 men killed or missing. Okinawans caught in the fighting suffered greatly, with an estimate as high as 150,000 civilians killed. Of the Japanese defending the island, an estimated 110,000 died. 24 American military personnel were awarded the Medal of Honor for going above and beyond the call of duty. Once in American hands, Okinawa provided a vital airfield in the final drive on Japan, as the Allies finally brought about Japanese surrender less than three months later.
0: So we completed that in 88 days. We fought there at Okinawa, concluding map up and different, you know. Uh, I think total total of that battle uh, of Navy, Marines, Air Force, uh, uh, Coast Guard, Engineers. I think we lost uh, thirty-eight thousand seven hundred and ninety-six American soldiers, troops, American servicemen. Thirty-eight thousand. The battle was over. We had killed. 110,000 of the enemy, and we lost 38,976 men. And later, some guy with a pencil figured that the ratio was 117 Japs killed to every American who died at Okinawa. We who had destroyed the Japanese way of life in Okinawa Moved out, and men who were to build the American way moved in. There were plans for there were plans for housing and and messing, and of 375,000 American GIs, 21 airfields were were being considered for construction. It, 275 miles of inland roads. We were building the largest island base in the world. We were building something else too. We were building something the almost 300,000 battered civilians of Okinawa could could understand. We thought Okinawa would be the land of terror when when we came, instead, it's like a beautiful dream. We were building a beautiful dream. We were building for the final punch, the haymaker that sh- that started from ground on Okinawa and landed on the chin in Tokyo. The eyes of America looked hungrily at the Japanese mainland. The voice of our bombers grew louder in the sky. Peace began to seem like something more tangible than, than a word. This is why we needed Okinawa 67 miles long and 10 miles wide. A stepping stone of our final victory in the Pacific. Our victory came because we fought from island to island (laughs) across the Pacific unceasingly without stopping and uh, against terrible odds. Now we must preserve that victory so that our A nation may benefit by what we won, We must be strong. Yes, we are strong. What about the 38,976 men, our buddies, that lost their lives in taking this piece of land and only to give it back to the Japanese? America, think about it written and submitted by Donald D. Fighter and Paulette Fighter, combat scout, World War II. Are there
1: any final comments that you'd like to make about the battle for
0: Okinawa before we... Well, I guess... I guess we were right when we said uh, we fought through the Pacific hard and long and... we, uh, we accomplished what President Roosevelt said, we will never lose. And a speech that he made on, the, on, the, on December the 8th, 1941, uh, um, we accomplished. Although we lost the President uh, on the 9th of April 1945, uh, Lord knows how many soldiers uh the morale how it dropped at the time, but we lost our commander in chief and uh, we wondered what our outcome would be the soldiers but uh, i'm I, I did my part I enlisted in the regular army of the united states nineteen forty two and uh i uh i did my part and i did it as best as i could and uh i'm i'm glad that i served my country well uh i just hope that i just hope that these wars that are going on over over in europe and uh all i don't know i just believe that they're unnecessary uh but I just pray for the boys that are over there, these new young kids that are over there now today that, that stand a chance of losing their lives. Uh, and, uh, I, just hope, I just hope and pray for them all the time. And uh, I just hope for their best. Yeah. Okay. Well,
1: thank you very much for sharing this with us. And You're as welcome. the witness to war, you've traveled far, seen much, and a grateful nation, thanks you.
0: Thank you, thank you so much. Yeah. Oh
1: okay. uh, yeah. <laughs> takes a lot out of you, doesn't it?
0: It does. Yeah, yeah, it does. It brings back a lot of memories. A lot of memories. Yeah, a whole lot of. I I think when I do this, I think of all the buddies that I lost. That uh, why was it? Why wasn't it me? Why was I spared? Why was I spared all these all these battles I participated in? And they died right next to me, mm-hmm. killed right next to me, you know, and I screamed and hollered for the mother and, and begged me to to finish them. Oh my God. It's uh, wars no one can imagine. You can't, no one can imagine the combat, the the fear of combat and the death and the, and what you see, how a body is destroyed and, and uh, it's unbelievable.
2: Once again, we thank Joe Massinio of the Veterans History Project. After the war, Donald FIDA established FIDA's landscaping and janitorial service, which operated for over 60 years. Don used his business to mentor and develop at-risk youth in the ethics of hard work and personal responsibility, and worked alongside churches, schools, and civic organizations throughout the Syracuse area. Don was a devoted Catholic, a fourth degree member of the Knights of Columbus, as well as a guest lecturer for the American Legion, veterans of foreign wars, and for various public schools and colleges. Despite his many injuries during the war, Don married twice and had two sons, a daughter, five grandchildren, and five great-great-grandchildren to whom he was lovingly known as Ho-Ho. Don Fida was a great American. He lived a full life and died in April of this year at the age of 99. It's with great pride and gratitude that we call Don Alphita Today's Hero Behind the Headlines. Heroes Behind Headlines. Executive Producer Ralph Pizzullo.
1: Produced and engineered by Mike Dawson. Orchestra and score provided by Extreme Music. Please comment, share, and subscribe to Heroes Behind Headlines.